Did we lose Kaya? Hello and welcome to the Gooners Podcast, Season 7, Episode 14. Tonight, we welcome back to the podcast Kaya Kainat from Football.London, who, when we last saw each other, the night started like this, but it did not end like this. We'll get to that and more on tonight's episode of the Gooners Pod. Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts. Five young men from various backgrounds. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic and Andy and the rest my friends is history and now all these years later you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes their football knowledge and their sensual advice but now it's gone too far you our fans are at long last witness to season seven. Seven. Seven, seven, seven. Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Welcome to the Gooners Pod. We are very excited. We're I'm all over the place tonight. I'm just going to apologize in advance because uh, tomorrow, in less than 24 hours, I leave for Baltimore for what should be a very fun, uh, hopefully wonderful weekend uh in baltimore with gooners both from the u.s and abroad and i have so much preparation to do and haven't gotten to it yet so tonight's gonna be a little bit crazy but because we wanted to have a nice kickoff before the tour who better to join us than football.london's resident arsenal journalist and reporter and wonderful guy all around kaya kainak welcome back to the pod he looked frozen (laughs) we 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 have one frozen guest, one who doesn't realize that he's on mute. Yeah. And I think then you he... lost him right. We when were you hit live? I think that's when he went on slow motion. Oh boy, this this could get fun. Um, Kai, are you with us? Blink twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kai, let's uh, let's hit refresh on your screen and see if that helps a little bit. Either that or uh, I'll put a video on while we try to sort this out behind the scenes. Uh, Kai, are you there? <laughs> so so we're supposed to get media passes for this tour in Baltimore and Orlando, and they're probably watching this podcast right now. Like, what kind of podcast is this? Kai, are you with us? Thank you very much for having me on. Can you refresh? Hold on. He's in the private chat right now, Mike. I just asked him to... Uh refresh or all right so yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hope to get him back but uh so this is this is the, the level of professionalism you expect from the gunners podcast this is actually our our brand so let's try this again kaya are you with us i can hear you can you hear me yes oh. okay sorry about that guys you were you were frozen you were you you looked so like taken aback by the entrance video that you couldn't move. <laughs> 
it was more fear about the fact that you're going to upload some of the videos from the last time I saw you. I don't want people. I don't know if I want people seeing those, so I'm a little bit scared of that. We 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 only up we only have one video, um, and uh, and it's not it, it it's not going to ruin your professional career. But uh, but thank you for uh, chat room for dealing with those initial technical difficulties. Welcome back to the podcast. Sorry, Great sorry. to see you. Great to be back, and uh, apologies for the technical issues. Hopefully those those, those have gone away now. And uh, and Mikey. Good to see you again. Been a little while since we've potted together. I know, Looking man. Handsome as ever. Yeah, life is crazy. Yeah, back at it. I'm glad I could uh, finally get on one of these things. So, you know, I know, Kaya, you didn't plan on coming on here and breaking any significant transfer news, but but Dublin Gooner uh, has made a threat. Uh, it's the first time he's actually threatened us. He says, if he doesn't have a transfer exclusive, I'll be livid. Uh, because, you know, journalists are just there for your – uh, to, to move along transfers for your benefit. That's the, we, we all know that we were talking before the podcast about, uh, kind of how that, how that goes sometimes. And, you know, I see it on Twitter all the time, whenever you or Charles or, or, uh, you know, James McNicholas for, you know, any reputable journalists like yourselves post something, you can't even post like, like my back hurts or like, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm looking forward to this weekend without getting what in response. Uh, a lot of Rafinha news? Question mark. Uh, Jesus news? Question mark. Um, yeah, it's 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 always I, nice to interact with people on social media, but um, it's not even polite. It's not like, hi, Kaya. I was wondering if you had any intelligence uh, and recent updates on the Rafinha contract uh, negotiation situation with Barcelona. It's just Rafinha. People can't be arsed to even be nice about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, Mike, since you've asked so nicely, no, I'm, I'm afraid. Um, that said, I, that said, if we don't, if we don't hear something about the butcher pretty soon, I am going to turn into a butcher, and <laughs> this is the one that I need uh, in order to push me over the edge. But now, I, it's, it's got to be kind of frustrating that you are not allowed the ability to communicate without providing news that 99% of the times doesn't even exist. <laughs> Yeah, I, I said it in less polite terms when we were off air, but I'll say it politely because we're on air. But like, yeah, I I, I think it's it's great the fact that people want to know um, news about Arsenal and listen. As, as soon as I've got it, don't worry, I'll share it. Like, I'll, I'll let you know. But um, I'm not holding anything back to sort of wait for someone to comment on one of my tweets about Love Island in the off chance that they might um, yeah. sort of you know break some or make me remind me of something that i've forgotten to report trust me if i've got something to share with you guys don't don't worry about that i'll i'll, I'll let you know but listen it's, it's it's part of transfer season and it's part of it's part of social media in 2022 isn't it it's just sort of part of the course even if the the dms do get a bit clogged up this time of year yeah the, i mean the butcher actually signed for arsenal three weeks ago but but the the journal lot the the what the illuminati of journalism is just waiting for the one person we're waiting for the 10th ten thousandth. i didn't i didn't mean to say we uh you're waiting for the ten thousandth person to tweet mm -hmm. uh you know butcher yeah. news we got, a little, we got a little checklist going between us on our media whatsapp groups we're just we're just waiting for that to to come through and then we'll then we'll, we'll let you guys know so it's like a petition that. like once you get exactly. to 10, we'll actually release this news arsenal's given us the thumbs up it's all good uh, so Mikey, what have you been up to? Uh, you, uh, you, did you watch the game on Friday? There was a game on Friday? Last Friday. No, uh, no unfortunately, uh, I was working did at the time. Did you pay? Did you, you know? Uh, whether we paid for the game shall remain undisclosed. <laughs> uh, no, uh, jokes aside, I just waited until it was up on Arsenal's uh, YouTube feed, and I watched the highlights there. I wasn't able to watch it live, but 
I am a very like eh about preseason, so I don't I don't like get really wound up into these games. I don't I don't see why we go up and down. And like if we lose a game, I'm just kind of like eh. It's not like three points lost or anything. So I don't really get into the whole hype, but these particular highlights I wanted to check out because obviously I heard uh, Gabriel Jesus uh, made his debut, and you know I love myself some Jesus. So I had to, uh, me, me I had to too. check it out. Me too, based on what I found. I mean, I am I am only half Jewish anymore. Uh, but Kaya, you were uh, you were in Germany for that game? Unfortunately not. I got right. COVID last week, so I couldn't head out to Germany. But um fully recovered now, and I'm looking forward to heading out to America. But I watched the game. I, I paid for it. And I, I watched it. I paid for it too. And, we we, we yeah. just we just pushed Kronky over the 10 billion mark, the two of us. Exactly. So I, you know. I'm the reason Rafinha didn't come to Arsenal. Is what you're saying? Precisely. You're, Precisely. No, you're you're a proper fan, and and Kaya and I are suckers. That's, that's <laughs> you're not supporting that that guy. No. So um, so what'd you make of it? I mean, let's let's get that out of the way since uh, since that was the last competitive game that Arsenal had since we last podcasted, and uh, it was really a tale of two halves, wasn't it? Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth there. Um, proper game of two halves, like. Um, the first half was, I think, pretty tepid. If I had to describe it in one word, it's just like it was. It was a bunch of players who clearly weren't fully fit or feeling their way back into preseason. Tempo was pretty low. I think Nuremberg wanted to impress their fans because they were in a relatively full stadium and they were all there in front of their fans. And then it just changed second half, just sort of snapped like that because Gabriel Jesus entered the field, and you see instantly that sort of. I think Pep Guardiola mentality of just intensity in everything they do. I mean, you see what an intense guy Pep is. That clearly rubs off onto the players. And everything Gabriel Jesus did was just 100 mile an hour, no holes barred. Like It was just fully committed. And it was really refreshing because when you compare it to what Arsenal had up front last season or even the past couple of seasons, um, it's, it's a massive difference. So definitely very exciting i think you know it, it was it was looking like and i think twitter let us know at half time that it was it was looking like it was not going to be great but come the second half i think everyone's feeling pretty excited about preseason all over again so so what do you mean we're, we're full of technical issues today um let's see if that's coming from me no all right so anyway we're just gonna blow past it um the first half were shop window play. I mean, when you look at the lineup, you're like, these are guys that we just haven't seen forever. And, you know, we're clearly not making most of these guys a part of our, uh, of our plan going forward. So we're just putting them in the shop window. And, and could you, is it possible for us to even lost value on Deadwood more than, than what that group of people put that together? I mean, that, that was just diabolical and, you know, I don't care. These are not players that I envision playing for us, but, um, if anyone was looking to kind of enhance their ability to make a big move to another club, I don't see that anyone really accomplished that. Yeah. Oh, Arsenal wanted to recoup a lot of the fee they spent on Pablo Marie, which is reportedly close to 14 million. I, I, I don't think off the basis of that performance is going to happen. Oh, um, there's plenty of other players who were a little bit underwhelming. I feel bad going in too hard on any of the others because I thought Nicola Pepe actually tried really hard. It just didn't come off for him. Similar to Reese Nelson, I thought they both sort of gave it their all. It just didn't work out for them. But yeah, there's there's plenty of question marks or a few players who you sort of remember you remember are still at the club. As someone for me who I thought played really well was like an Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and I sort of it makes you question what's going to happen with him. Uh, there doesn't seem to have been Nottingham Forest showed an interest at the start of 
the summer, but they've now gone out and signed other fullbacks. They've signed uh, midfielders, so I don't know if they'll be still in the market for a player like a Maitland Nars. But yeah, I think not the only one hearing that, am I? There's, there's like a loud. I, I, Are you hearing that as well? Yeah, I got to hear as well. Kaya, try muting yourself real quick. All right, now we know where it's coming from. <laughs> um, uh, is there anything playing in the background? Or, or you know what, Kaya, any chance you have uh, wired ones? No, we're getting a lot of interference here. Strangers in the night. Yeah, sorry about this, lovely this viewers. Is, but rem, this reminds me, like when. I, when yeah, I try to refresh again, and we'll just. This yeah, this does sound like the stuff I I sleep I sleep to at night here. It, it uh, reminds me of when I was a kid. You know your uh, TV, the static. Well, yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. white noise. I uh, I, noise. I sleep to white noise every night, but I I don't particularly think it's it's conducive to a podcast so, um <laughs> danny was in the danny the gfp was in the chat so i'm sure if he's around this time listening to this as being a stickler oh. for audio as he is he's going to absolutely blow up your dms and let you know can't, how a horrible human being you are as far as that. can't legislate for uh oh no it came back it's still there you you, you, you can't hear it can you try to just can you try to switch your uh, your speakers just to the computer speakers the computer mic? I'm gonna mute just in between. Um, don't really it, and I would just, I would just play a video that we could that, that everyone could watch uh, while we uh, while we sort this out. But then I won't be able to hear whether it's yeah. been sorted out or not. So <laughs> there, it, there it, it, it does kind of. It does sound uh, like a Bluetooth kind of situation here, so yeah, it's still there. La 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 la. Yeah, I think we're we're gonna have Kaya join back up on his phone, um, and uh, we'll we'll have him back in a minute. So uh, let's play a quick five minute video here it's it's actually less than five minutes it's something some of you know about others that you don't but it's 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 been queued up in here and ready to play just for a situation like this um and uh let's see if i can find it here this is going to be our version of the r flag doorbell music for yes the time being. <laughs> except maybe a little more entertaining and you might see somebody that doesn't look like they do anymore so uh so i'm going to put this on We'll end it early if we can resolve this, but uh, be right back. And now, from New York City, night six of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Right now, we've got 10 new contestants ready to go. Mike Feinberg, Sterling, Virginia. Here's the question. Put the following television dogs in the order of their debut, beginning with the most recent. Okay, everybody, time's up. Let's see the answer in the correct order, starting with the most recent. Taco Bell Chihuahua. 
Eddie from Frasier, Scrappy-Doo, and Lassie. That's the correct order. Let's see who got it right. And in the fastest time, and the winner is Mike Feinberg. Feinberg, 26 years old, lives in Sterling, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Huh? Let's play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Here we go. Uh, B, a box of chocolates. A box of chocolates. What a great line. You're absolutely... Final answer. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. It is now. Yes, it is now. <laughs> oh, you're going to get me in trouble. No, it was your answer, wasn't yes, it? Yeah, it was. of course. A hundred bucks. I'll give you to get myself. You got it. I will have to go with C, a wall. Final answer. Yes, it is. Right again, it's a wall for $200. I will take C, play. Final answer? Yes, it is. Of course they will. They're going to play. C is the right answer for $300. B, jockey. B, jockey. Final answer? Yes, it is. You're right, it's jockey. Final answer? Yes, sir. You're right. It's Edsel. Of course. $1,000. So I will go with A, Reem. That's your final answer? It is. Reem is his final answer? It's a good one. You've won $2,000. Yes, D, final answer. Canadian national flag has... The Maple Leaf on it, you're right, for $4,000. You've just won $4,000. You're going for $8,000. Go with C and I. And that would be. All right. I know you all want to find out how that ends. Maybe we'll do that sometime. But Kaya is back. And that's way more important than some stupid game show. Can you hear me? Clearly? Is it better? Yes, it is perfect, perfect now. Oh. And, hey, and, so and it's, even close, that, it's a little closer up on your face too, which is like getting an extra bonus as well. So, uh, so sorry about the little, uh, sorry about the little, yeah, I think they don't want to watch the podcast. They just want to, they want to, they want to watch the rest of the two wants to be a millionaire. So, so I'll oh. play it at the end. I'll, I'll make that the last five minutes oh. of the podcast today. If anyone else wants to watch it. So you cut it off for the cliffhanger. Always leave, leave them wanting more there, Mike. Don't, well, don't the hear until the next spot. <laughs> the eight thousand dollar question is when things started going a little bit awry for me, but but not too bad. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, so, where were we? Let's get back to where we were. Um, the second half. Do we take that much out of? I mean, Gabby Jesus's performance in the second half was a preseason performance in his first game for the Arsenal against FC Nuremberg. Let's let's not overstate the uh you know the opponent and the quality of the opponent but what you see out of him are things that it really doesn't matter how good the opponent is it doesn't matter whether it's a preseason game or a regular season it's it's the programming of a player and unless he was just doing something abnormal for him in the first you know for because it was his debut performance i think it's really bodes quite well when you think about the other people that we've had up top the movement the constant movement the pressing He's been called the best pressing number nine. You know, I, I mean, I'm really, really excited about what he brings if that was anything close to a taste. So 
I mean, are, are there things that, despite the opponent, despite the setting, Kaya, we should be really kind of taking from that performance in a positive way? Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned them all there. That the pressing is fantastic. He is. I mean, Mikel Arteta wanted a player who could press in the front. He wanted uh, a striker who could defend and a defender who could attack, basically. And he's he's kind of got them both. Uh, obviously, Ben White was the the summer signing last year, and Gabriel Jesus is the big signing this year. And I think it looks it looks good for Arsenal just because um, I'm not sure how much she sort of caught before the technical difficulties before, but I was saying intensity is the one thing that. Jesus brings to this Arsenal side and um, that was so clear from the set quite literally from minute one of his Arsenal career he's gone in straight away and just the way he sought to link up with Eddie Nketiah was fantastic but listening to his interview after the game I thought the most interesting thing was the fact that he was talking about the fact that he's not the superstar but at the same time he kind of clearly is and he's someone who I think this Arsenal team already looked to as sort of a trendsetter and when he came on everyone else up their intensity because they thought, right, this guy, this is the way he does it. He's won the Premier League uh, four times. He's been in Champions League finals. He's won FA Cups. He's won Carabao Cups. We want to do that too. This is what we need to do. This is how we need to play. And I think we've all sort of, as observers of Arsenal, lost count of the amount of times where we've watched an Arsenal performance and it's been slow to get going and it's been a bit tepid and you sort of, they're like boxers kind of feeling each other out in the ring and not wanting to lay a punch. But these guys uh, from Manchester City, they they go in sort of very hard from from minute one, and Gabriel Jesus brings that to this Arsenal side. So, if he can bring that intensity to every single game, which is obviously a massive ask across a whole season where he's likely to start every match, which is something he wouldn't really have done at Manchester City, then fantastic. Arsenal have got themselves a real player on their hands. But I think that's the mindset is is huge for what he brings to this Arsenal team and. I'm really excited to see how it rubs off, particularly on the younger players, because I think Eddie and Ketty looks so much better when he was on the pitch as well. And he's just an example of these young guys who I think are going to be better because they've got someone of Jesus's level, Jesus's mentality in the team. I mean, I, go ahead, Mike. I said what I, it, what we we essentially have here, in my opinion, is kind of like the the merging of Lacazette and Aubameyang. They're good features, not their bad features. So, like you know, we got we got the work ethic and everything that Lacazette provides, and then. He has quality finishing. The second goal was a pretty, pretty classy finish. So it's just a beautiful thing to, to see this monumental number nine. I think we're underestimating some, sometimes maybe that he's he came from Manchester City. And I know some people want to be like on the negative side and said it's it's a player that couldn't hack it there. But I mean, they're replacing it with the 100 million Haaland, of course. But he's a beautiful blend. He, he intensity and the leadership that he provides in the front, I think is going to be well-received from Saka and Martinelli, presumably Martinelli on the left, uh, having dethroned Smith Rowe. But if you guys think about it, now we got at goal, we got Ramsdale, who is just a mouthpiece, massive intense. Our two center bucks are just absolute nut jobs. In the middle of the midfield, you got a leader like Brennan Shaka, and you got Udegaard just running the absolute show, being the, the messenger for Arteta. And now, like, the crown jewel, just one more level intensity in that final line. It just... It speaks volumes of how the player, the, the team might potentially just press, press, press relentlessly. So we saw it this past season a few times where we, we tried to implement the press and we dominated Manchester City for, what, 70, 80 minutes until, you know, crap hit the fan and Shaka got the red, et cetera, et cetera. But it just goes to show that as the players are accumulating and they're learning the the, the style of play, this pressing and every intensity – I feel like we're going to see it a little bit more throughout this season. I know last season it was kind of hit or miss. I mean, 
we all remember that the horrible Newcastle game where it's like we just didn't show up. And I think with these type of players, with these type of mentalities and intensity, we're going to see that far less. So here's hoping. Well, I mean, we know that the, the game that, that Arteta wants to play isn't the game that we always played last season. The players would come right out and say that, you know, whether they were taking a bullet for their coach or whether it was legitimately true, um, you know, it, it would not be we didn't know what we were supposed to be doing. It would be we didn't execute the plan that the boss gave us to do today. And a lot of that probably has to do with intensity and 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 the pressing. And, and you know, it isn't always about having the best player. It's about having the right player. And, you know, you could say that Holland or Vlaovic or, or, you know, I mean, there's only a handful of players that are immune to, to, not, to, to not potentially fitting in. And I'd say Kylian Mbappe is maybe at the top of that list with a couple others. But, you know, you, Jesus is a stock that we're buying at a reasonable price that's getting ready to explode. Just like Alexis Sanchez was when we got him from, Balt- from, from Baltimore, <laughs> from, uh, from Barcelona. <laughs> You can see where my head is right now, um, and you know you don't you don't always win in the stock market by buying expensive stocks because sometimes they just don't get higher than they already are, um, and sometimes they get a lot lower as we've seen with the Lukaku's and the Pogba's and 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 all those big money signings in the Premier League. Jesus is the perfect guy at the perfect price in the perfect situation with the perfect team and the perfect coach for him right now, and and I just. I, he's just got to stay healthy um, and he needs reinforcements and he can't do it all himself, which is kind of the problem that ended up happening with, with uh, Alexis Sanchez is whether true or whether in his own mind and whether Humber was whispering this in his ears, which I think he, he was, you know, he thought he was carrying the team on his own and, uh, and that led to the problems that we had uh, all this talk about Jesus and, and Jesus and all that. We're getting a thunderstorm right now of epic proportions and uh, so the next technical difficulty we'll probably see is me just dropping off the pod with no warning when my router cuts out when we lose electricity. So just going to say that in advance. I, uh, I have a four-year-old knocking on the door next to me. So who knows? It's going to be okay, my this four-year-old. Is, this is, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> a lot of tornadoes are surrounding us in various forms. But um, so, and it wasn't just Gabby Jesus that performed well in the second half. I mean, I think we saw a lot out of Eddie Niketia and how he might fit in. Um, we saw Niketia and Jesus playing at the same time. What did you make of that, Kaya? Oh, here we go. <laughs> you there? <laughs> All right. So in the second half, we saw Niketia and Gabi Jesus playing together. Uh, as opposed exciting. To being... Really exciting. I think when Jesus came in, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. We're on a delay. But oh, yeah. no. I think you're back on track, Kaya. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah, it, there, yeah, there's a good five, uh, five to ten seconds delay. I'm coming through okay now, yeah? Yes, but on a okay, delay. Sorry, sorry about that. Um, yeah, really exciting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think when Jesus came in, a lot of Okay, good. I think when when Jesus came in, a lot of us thought. Ah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll just. Okay, I'll just go for it. Um, I think when Jesus came in, uh, a lot of. 
people. Right. We've what we've learned is that Jesus came in. Ka so Kaya, unfortunately, unfortunately, we're was going to be the main man with yeah, Eddie I... as the backup. Obviously, because Eddie's contract situation meant that we all thought he was going to be leaving come the end of the season, and that obviously was a massive turnaround. And I think the assumption was that Arsenal sort of play with one centre forward. <laughs> okay nothing else really goes on alongside that whereas obviously that's that appears to have changed and uh a lot of the time when things didn't go right uh michael arteta changed to that sort of five three two Oh, we we're about to have two Kayas here. <laughs> I'm gonna keep them. I'm gonna keep them both up because we we have the Kaya that's 30 seconds behind us, and then the one that I think is live. Kaya, are you live hey. now? Am I the live version of me? Yes, yes you hey. are the live version of you. But 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 look, <laughs> we've got the other version of you. This this is a, this. All is, I can see is a black screen, so I'm I'm trusting you guys. Uh, I'm hoping it's a. This is a this is the comment of the night so far. He says you're talking like Harry Kane now, Kaya. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I, I know you. That's when you know uh, things are going wrong. When I start well, talking about Harry Kane, we, uh, you know, we 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 couldn't really do much about it. But you you sounded like you were about on a ten to twelve second delay, and kind of popping in and out. So you know, again, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do about that. I'm sorry. And Kaya, unfortunately, you know, fortunately, we're we're uh, you know we're 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 close. We're I like to I like to consider us as being mates. I, so you know, if if it happens again, uh, we will probably cut it off uh we'll we'll do something else and then we'll make sure to come back on and do something from baltimore together because i mean part of what is about to happen with kaya is he's going to be spending you know a reasonable amount of time around me for the next two weeks and i'm not <laughs> so, i'm not so sure that's great for his career but uh <laughs> so so anyway while we have you, what, pictures what, left right and center from mike Pictures, what were pictures, you saying pictures. about about Niketia and and jesus playing together and then we're going to get off the arsenal topic and onto some other fun stuff. I'll just say they come in. That was all I was saying, really. Nothing, nothing else. No, I'm, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, very exciting to see how those two play together. Just because when you think of striking partnerships, you don't necessarily think of two players who are so similar in terms of uh, type. Those two, are, to me, are quite similar players. And the fact that neither are sort of massive physical specimens, they can both obviously handle themselves when it comes to playing centre-backs. But... You don't think of them as being fantastic in the air or anything like that. But I think they work quite well. And that's because they're both quite mobile. They don't, they're not very static when you compare them to someone like an Alex Lacazette, whose sort of MO was just to sort of drop deep and uh, receive the ball. Eddie and uh, Gabriel Jesus, they both want to sort of look to vary their game. They're not very predictable, they're, but they're both capable of lots of different things. And I think that makes them... Uh, difficult to defend against. And look, there's going to be games where Arsenal start with one striker. There's going to be games where Arsenal start with two strikers. And we've seen this at Manchester City. And I think from now we can assume that that's the way Arsenal are trying to go in terms of their squad development and the players they're buying and the styles of player they're buying. And you don't really know how Man City's lineup is going to, sorry, Man City's front line is going to line up from week to week. You just know there's going to be lots of good players in it. And I think that's what Arsenal are trying to 
to get going in their own way at the Emirates. And players like Gabriel Jesus, Jesus can obviously play on the right wing and Ketty has played on the left wing. And I don't think Mikel Arteta likes players who are just sort of boxed into one position. He likes players who are versatile, can do a multiple multitude of different roles. So those two are really exciting. And I think the early sort of link up and the chemistry they seem to have already is fantastic. And Jesus in his interview, without even being asked, brought up Eddie Nketiah. So He's clearly enjoying playing with him. And yeah, I'm really excited to see how those two get on because there's, like I said, going to be games where Arsenal need both of them scoring. And last season, the the issue for them was goal scoring, I think, in terms of the top four race. So now they're adding even more goals to the team in terms of both of them being on the pitch. It's very exciting times, I think. When you, um, when you, when you think of the two of them playing together, you know, we always talked about can Lacazette and Aubameyang play together. And, you know, is it better when they do or is it better when they don't? But when we saw them play together, it was Aubameyang on the wing, taking up a spot of, of you know, a traditional left winger like a Martinelli or, or, uh, or ESR or Pepe or, or any of those guys. When, when these two play together, Niketi and Jesus, is it going to be a change in formation or just, you know, one of these guys having to kind of be the winger? And if there is a change in formation where we see these two play together and play substantial minutes together – does that not lead you to think that there's got to be another kind of target man slash number nine signing from the outside this summer because of the fact that we're playing twice a week, every single week, just about? Uh, or do we have someone in mind from the uh, from the you know from our own team, a false nine or a Martinelli type to, to fill that role? Yeah, I don't want to dampen anyone's hopes, but the the sort of the the messages I've been getting from sort of speaking to people around the club is that Arsenal's centre forward business is is more or less done this summer. Obviously, never say never, and things can change, and all the usual caveats. But I think it's going to be Jesus and Ketia, and then uh, potentially Flo Balogun, depending on sort of his loan situation. Obviously, Martinelli can play up front. Um, one of the reasons they were interested in Rafinha was the fact he could play as a false nine as well. So they're looking for different options up top, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what happens potentially Lewandowski. I don't think that will happen. I think the wages are a little bit beyond Arsenal's uh, capabilities right now. But uh, no, I wouldn't necessarily say a new, a new striker is going to come in. I think uh, what's interesting about the way Mikel Arteta is sort of, whenever you speak to him about formations, he's generally a bit reticent to be tied down to one. So obviously we all know Arsenal is a 4-3-3 team now pretty much since Christmas. But he's never really stated apart from that one interview that he did, uh, that he wants Arsenal to be sort of rigidly 4-3-3. He's all about the spaces players occupy on the pitch. So if it's Eddie Nketiah up front, fantastic. If it's Gabriel Jesus up front, fantastic. If it's either of them two on the wings, amazing. Players can, a lot of the reasons Mikel Arteta has sort of uh, trusted certain players. If you look at Smith-Rowe, look at Saka, even going back to the defence, players like Tommy Asu and uh, Cedric, like their versatility is a big reason as to why they've been entrusted to stay at the club. So I don't think um, Mikel Arteta is too worried about having sort of the orthodox number nine. I think we all got a bit tied into that because last season, Alex Lacazette was so much of a number nine and so incapable of playing anywhere else on the pitch that we all thought, right, this is the only way Arsenal can play with a centre forward. But it's kind of like sometimes you don't realise how hungry you are until you eat. And Gary Jesus has come in and now we're all feasting. And so we've realised that we were starving for a, a proper yeah. centre forward for a long time. And uh, I think it's going to make a massive difference to us on this season. So I, I I was hoping that we would have one more target, man. You know, uh, just if there was a combination of Lewandowski, Giroud, Zlatan, Edin Dzeko and uh, Peter Crouch and, and and Andy Carroll. So you'd have like 
some really good footballers who can drink a ridiculous amount, fall off of stools, um, and win Ballon d'Ors or get robbed of Ballon d'Ors, uh, as the case may be. Um, that would be the perfect signing for us. But I guess we'll just make do with uh, with Jesus and uh, and Eddie. Um, next topic. Well, Jack Wilshire is back with the club in an official capacity, uh, but not the one that people were thinking about six to 12 months ago. He is going to be the head coach of the U18s. Now, that could either go really, really well or really, really bad, I suppose. But, I mean, what, do you, what are you thinking as far as uh, – I mean, is it good just from a – DNA standpoint in our in our youth as a guy who was a U18 with Arsenal at one point coming in and, and doing that job I mean do you think he's ready for that so what yeah it's a very Arsenal appointment isn't it like Edu is the technical director former player Mikel Arteta manager former player Per Mertesacker director of the academy former player and it's not quite as if Arsenal are throwing him entirely into the deep end They've, they, his assistant manager Adam Birchall has been coaching for 13 years and coaching youth teams specifically so He's got a sort of experienced uh, shoulder to lean on. I was about to say shoulder to cry, but that's not the the right phrasing there. Um, hopefully not to cry on, but he's got experienced console if he needs it to sort of advise him. And he's been coaching for a while. He's been taking it very seriously. And I think I, I, actually, I had the fortune of speaking to him a few months ago um, for an interview. And I was I, I got a little chance to speak to him last night as well. And because um, it was at the uh, Inside Hale End documentary, which is definitely worth a watch if anyone wants to check that out sort of. So I think it's on the Arsenal YouTube channel, profiling sort of the under-15s and under-16s. But um, I think Jack's in a unique position where he's been through a lot, um, coming through the the sort of promotion process from he's been at the club since he was nine, obviously came onto the scene very young and dealt with all those highs, but has also dealt with all the lows. And not every Arsenal Academy player is going to make it but you can turn them into sort of good people. Strong young gunners is the mantra that Per Mertesack has tried to implement in the academy ever since he arrived. So I think it makes sense as an appointment. And it's also positive in the sense that if you want to attract young talent, because Arsenal are obviously in a battleground with the best academies around the world, City, Chelsea, just in England alone, Man United obviously have a fantastic academy, Liverpool have a fantastic academy. And if you look at those teams, particularly City and Chelsea. I was at an under-23s game last season where City had a player on the bench who cost £10 million in their under-23 team. So that's what you're competing with. So if you can find any sort of edge in the transfer market at that level to bring in players to say, look, this is where you need to follow your journey. This is the best for your career. Someone like a Jack Wilshere will be a big name to lure those players in. And I think that's a really good thing. So I can't judge him as a coach because I've never seen any of his sides play. And um, I'll be interested to see how he does. But everyone who speaks of him when he was at the club doing those coaching sort of trials with the under-17s, they speak so highly of him. And he took it very seriously and he's immediately gone out and got his um, on his UEFA A licence. So he, this is something he wants to do. And this is something I think he's he's very keen on giving his best shot at. He was he said he was calling Per Mertesacker 10 times a day for four weeks to try and get the job. So he's keen on it. Obviously, it's a it's a risk in the sense that he's inexperienced and under 18s level is huge because it's sort of when players start to become professional and take things seriously. But I, I'm I'm struggling to see too many downsides other than the obvious risk of him being a bit inexperienced. But where it's a relatively low stakes um, sort of results based business at under 18 level, I think it's it's sensible to let Wilshere sort of cut his teeth there and you know maybe one day go on to take over the under 23 the under 21s as they are now. Sorry. And then who knows, go somewhere else in the club. So I think it's it's it's, it's a typical Arsenal appointment and I think it's a good one. I'm, I'm interested to see what everyone else thinks about it because um, 
yeah, it's, I think there, there could be a variety of opinions on it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike, Mike, the, um, I want to ask you for your overall opinion, but also just, I mean, if a player was deciding which Academy to go to and he was, you know, playing, he was 15, 16 years old and Jack Wilshire is there and he go and, and he finds out from a lot of the people that are there that they're really not getting much in the way of progression of their, of their career, of their skills. They're just getting a lot of rah, rah, you know, I, I love Arsenal, this is what it means to be a gunner, um, then then that wouldn't be a good appointment. But I think he, I don't think that's what Jack Wilshire's in this for. I, I think he offers that and and more so than most people would, which is, you know, I've been here before, I've been in your shoes. This is what the team means to me. And there might be a change in the culture of the U18 club as they fight for spots on the first team when you're, you know, when you're hearing from someone who has done that in the past, a willingness to go out on loan like Jack did to Bolton and come back. Um, you know, so I think the intangibles are certainly there, even if he's not a 10 year or 15 year experience coach, but Mike, he's surrounded by someone else who, who is, and I just, I mean, do you see any downsides to this? Do you like him being involved in the club in that position? So I'm going to, I'm going to throw a wild card here because I, I relate Jack to a really not fun time in the club and I, I rather not see certain ex-players come back. And so as crazy as this sounds, I'm not super excited about the appointment of Jack. So I, I wow, look, at, look at negative Mikey. I, I know I, nowhere. There's, there's, there's like, there's like three players in, in my, in my history of Arsenal that I, I, I don't know what it is, man, but I can't shake the image of why well, I, I sympathize that there was injuries, but I also view things as he, he lacks certain professionalism off the field. So I, I think he got caught up very young in the whole party and smoking and drinking and things. So I so as crazy as this thing this sounds, right? But I do believe that there's things athletes could do regarding taking care of their body, more rest, et cetera, et cetera, that might uh, prolong their career. And I think that's why we're, we're seeing a lot of a lot more forties in the game, um, elite athletes. So I do sympathize with the people that that say you know he started young, but. I could also say, you know, Cesc Fabregas also started young and he he lived a different lifestyle. So I'm worried about that because I, now granted, this is like 15 years later, of course. Right. This is so people grow. But in that, that sure, was going to be my response to that. Yeah. Is, you know. And his, his career has has, you know, it got short. You know, it was cut in. It was cut short. And so I'm sure he's feeling those growing pains. But. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm hesitant for it, but I'm, I'm the same guy that says, <laughs> I'm the same. Guy. I don't like smoking, Mike. I'm the same guy that says, "Hey guys, lay off Gwendo for being a prick because he's young." So you know what the hell did I know, man? Uh, but well, see, I, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm much more. Say on that is he, he kind, he admits to that in the sense that he admits he made mistakes when he was younger. So when you talk to him now, he's, he's much more sort of laid back happy to talk about those things and he's he's quite honest about them i don't think he shirks any of that i think he's he's quite willing to admit that maybe he could have taken care of himself a little better when he was younger maybe he could have sort of done certain things or made certain decisions that maybe would have prolonged his career but i i, I think um in terms of will he sort of impart that onto the young guys who are there now i'm not sure i i think i think sort of to try and reassure you i think he's quite sort of he seems to have learned from his mistakes and is, is keen to sort of pass that wisdom onto the young guys now. Well, and I think his family yeah. life has really led him to that. I mean, he, you know, he's got a child or, or children now. He's married. He, yeah, four children. So, I mean, he, he, 
from what I can tell, and, and you've talked to him, I I saw him on the Highbury squad a couple of months ago when he had, it was a great interview. I mean, the guy gets it. I mean, and, and for 20 and to be at 29 or 30 years old and realize that you're, you know, that, that your future is in coaching and not in playing, you can try to hold on to that and just like, no, I'm going to get back to the Premier League. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to be stubborn about it. He seems to understand that a lot more. And he's, you know, his, his comeback story is going to be one of, of, of helping the next generation of future players come through uh, with Arsenal DNA. And I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's great. And I just, you know, Mike, you're wrong. Uh, but that's okay. It's not the last time. It's not the first time. Um, Plenty so, more, my friend. Plenty more. Let's 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 get a couple of questions in. Uh, I've been starring some of these user questions, and then we're going to talk about the uh, talk about the upcoming tour. Um, obviously, I I like Kevin very very much. Uh, he he wasn't listening early on, but uh, there is a lot of speculation that that Saliba signed a new contract. Uh, we're not looking for you to. Well, we are looking for you to break news, but we know that you're not. You know, is there a possibility that there's some things going on that could potentially lead to an extended uh, contract for for uh, uh, for Wheelow? World, there is a, there is a possibility. Yeah, obviously, I think we all saw um, the Instagram stories from his agent, who was at the training grounds on uh, on Monday. Arsenal sort of aren't really commenting on it um, in terms of uh, has any extension been signed. I'd be surprised if Saliba committed to a new contract right now in terms of he doesn't really know what his situation is at the club. Obviously, he knows he's going to be involved for the coming season, but he doesn't know how much. Uh, he doesn't know whether he'll be a first-team regular or if he'll just be sort of playing Europa League games because as things stand, he's not first choice. It's Ben White and Gabriel, and they're quite clearly defined as the first-choice centre-back pairing. So breaking into that is tough because those two were very good last season. And, um, you know, he's League Young Player of the Year, so he's, he's well-equipped to do so. But It'll be interesting to see how he does. I, I think um, regardless of what shirt number he wears next season, there's been a lot of excitement about that, whether it's two, whether it's 12, I think he will be involved. And um, I think it's, it's, you know, his agent being at the the training ground, I don't know if that means anything in terms of maybe his agent was just there to sort of see him through uh, coming back because it had been 18 months or if he was there to support him or if they were there to, to talk uh, sort of contract. Like I say, that we've not had any sort of, briefing or steers on that front uh but i i know that the talks are planned and that they're 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 sort of progressing tentatively but um nothing confirmed in answer in direct answer to the question has to leave us on the contract nothing's been confirmed yet but yeah and and really the only the only benefit the only reason he would sign a new contract i understand the club wanting to extend him for sure i mean preserve the value he could be a big big player for us in the future the only reason for him to do it would be a bumper pay wage uh, I mean, yeah. there's no, there's no question about it. Cause I mean, he doesn't have guaranteed playing time. So the only reason to extend the contract, which currently is set to end, not after this season, but after the following season, he's on about 40,000 a week. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if this new contract is at 75 and they're basically saying, we're going to make you a big part of this team, whether you're starting every game or whether you're starting Europa league games, uh, whether you end up breaking into the lineup because of your skill or because of an injury, um, you know, you're not a, a speculative member of our club anymore. You are a core member of our club. And then if it doesn't work out, hopefully he'll have maintained some of the value appreciation that he's gotten over the last couple of years. And, and, and we sell him for less than a one year left on the contract type of type of sale. So I do think it would make sense for everybody. And if, if he's as talented in the Premier League as he was in the 
in in league on he should be worth 70 or 75,000 a week i would think i think just the calendar is going to lend for more rotation period like if it, this was last season i would be more inclined to believe that breaking into the partnership between gabriel and and ben white would be more difficult but i do kind of see certain players getting rested a little bit more and plus you got the five subs coming into play so i i wouldn't be surprised at all if it was more of a casual rotation from week to week. And this might throw some people off because I know there's always that ideology of he doesn't know his best starting 11. And that could go with any manager, really, if they rotate consistently. But with the amount of games that are going to be played prior to December, I think rotating just has to be a much. Also, he can play right back, which is something that's worth considering. Or Ben White can switch over to right back and he could come into centre back if Tommy Asu gets injured. And sure. the lack of appropriate cover for Tommy Asu was a big problem last season in terms of stylistically. So something worth worth considering in terms of more minutes he could get potentially. Um and and you know, with the five subs, I'm I'm starting to think, you know, you're gonna see some different game strategy. I mean, you you often do see, you know. 75th to 80th minute substitutions coming in when you're protecting a one goal lead that are defensive in nature. You pull out a winger, you bring in a defender, um, you know, bringing in a guy like Saliba or if Saliba starting the game, bringing in a guy like Ben White um, to lock down the game when you're winning a close one, you know, if you're on, you know, if you're away from home against, you know, West Ham or something and you're winning two, one, having those three guys in together is not the end of the world. I mean, it's, you know, for, for play like that. And I think you'll see a lot more of that because the subs you made earlier in the game kind of more tactically and offensively uh, will still leave you with one or two extra subs uh, to be able to do it. So it's the perfect time for five subs, as far as I'm concerned. Um, taking a quick step back to the, uh, to the Academy, because I ha- I simply have to ask this question from, uh, from Fergus from guns and yellow ribbons. Is this a sign of major change in the Academy setup? Could Purr become sub- surplus to requirements and, and bring in more Arsenal DNA players as influencing factors in the Hale End setup? Um, an interesting concept. Could Purr p- potentially be on his way out? I don't think there's any chance of that. I think everyone is so impressed with the job Purr's done. Uh, when he came in, the Arsenal Academy was pretty disjointed. Um, obviously there wasn't a clear playing style from the sort of the head coach down in terms of Unai Emery. Um, we didn't really know what he was doing with the first team from week to week. So goodness knows how that would have sort of fed back down to the, down the 23s, under 18s and so on and so forth. Whereas now Perth's come in and he's got very clear pillars and what he wants to achieve. And when you, whenever you talk to anyone in the academy, be it Per, be it anyone else, they mentioned those four pillars and I, I, I don't want to recite them because I can't remember them right now, having mentioned them, which is unfortunate. But the four pillars are sort of what he's, he's building the academy around and Arsenal DNA is another thing he's building the academy around. But it's, I don't it's, think that it's it's sensualness, Judaism, um, not being. Uh, oh, never mind. I was going to say something. Uh, sorry. As soon as you started talking, I knew it wasn't going to be the right thing. It's what I knew. <laughs> that's that's all I was sure about, Mike. Well, that's pretty much true 24-7. But <laughs> On brand. So, so per, no chance then in, in your mind of, of Per uh, not being the, uh, the, the Academy 
what is he the, the academy manager is that, is that what yes call it? academy manager i think is his official title but um okay. no um he, he seems pretty um committed to the arsenal life i think he's very happy his family are all settled in london i think he's really enjoying his work and um i'd be surprised unless unless those guys have heard something i haven't heard but i'm, I'm 99.9 percent sure that Per's in it for sort of the the long haul. I think right. Per is closer to taking over Ateta's job than he is getting fired for like some miracle Ateta leaves in a few years. I have a crazy prediction, Kaya, that he's going to stick around for at least ten years. Could be. I mean, Liam Brady was the academy manager for a very long time after he finished playing, so it's, it could be a similar kind of vibe. As long as he keeps, uh, you know, when 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 kids come up and like pretend to shake his hand and then pull it away, as long as he keeps, like, <laughs> and that was that was my favorite per murdersacker moment. That's not brutal. Not, yeah, my my least favorite per murdersacker moment was him getting out leaped by five foot three Alexander Mitrovic uh, <laughs> in the uh, Champions League game against uh, Anderlecht back in about eight years ago, which which was my first Champions League game at the Emirates. Three nil down. Three nil ended up at three three. Um, but uh, but my favorite was you know my favorite my favorite moment for most Arsenal players has nothing to do with football. Like like for Theo, <laughs> it was it was it was this on a stretcher. For Murdasacker, it was this. <laughs> like, 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 like he tried to he tried to make some kid shit in his pants. Um, you know, normally it's just, it, 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 or it's a knee slide or something like that. It's not actually a goal that, that, that happened on the pitch, but, um, anyway, um, all right. So we've covered that the tour now you have, or have not been, uh, you, you, I mean, you, the, the club came here in 2014, 2016 and 2019. I don't remember seeing you at any of those, but I also didn't know you yet at those. So, uh, so is this your first time covering the club overseas or 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 yes. in the US? Well, I, I did Scotland last year, if you want to count that as overseas. But um did you go first... over a sea to get there? <laughs> no, across <laughs> the River Thames. So if you want to count that. But um no, this is, yeah, it's my first time crossing the uh, an ocean to to cover Arsenal, which I'm very excited about. Um I'm yeah, the the last preseason in the states i was i was 20 at the time so i was i was still at university uh was that right or maybe 21 but um uh yeah i was still at university so this is my first time covering arsenal in a professional capacity abroad obviously i would have been able to do it a bit more last season but the combination of covid and arsenal deciding to not qualify for the europe european competition in my first full season covering the club sort of conspired to mean that i didn't get to travel at all covering the club but yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to heading out to the States and uh, seeing, seeing sort of what's what in Baltimore and Orlando because I've never been to either of those places. I've only I, ever I been just, to America once. So yeah. I just realized that I think the comp, the combined age between you and Tom Canton is still less than mine. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but your, your combined your, your combined skill and experience blows mine away. So, but, and except for when it comes to American tours, these are fun, man. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, if you go there just to follow the team, You'll get your job done and it will be, you know, enjoyable. You'll get access that that sometimes isn't even available locally. And, you know, when the club's playing home and away. But, you know, if I may, and I know that you're game for this, if, you know, if I may suggest that you, you know, visit a lot of the fan get togethers and the, th I mean, you will already be coming straight to one on Thursday night. Um, Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it's the experience surrounding the game that that really makes these tours. And I, you know, I talk a lot of times to people, American Arsenal supporters, who are like, you know, 
for, who don't live in Baltimore or Orlando, and they're like, the, to travel to these t- places for meaningless games when I could take just a little bit more money or the same money and go over to London to watch a game this season, why would I do that? And, you know, it's hard to tell somebody not to go to a game in London if they have the opportunity to do that. But it is just a, an experience. It's it's amazing. You meet people. You reunite with people. It's fun. Uh, you meet up with, as Ryan did last year in Orlando, even when the team doesn't come, you meet up with middle-aged men at hotel <laughs> bars. Um that was uh, that was a funny story. I was doing a podcast from a hotel. He was in the chat, said where he was staying, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm in, I'm on the seventh floor." <laughs> so uh, so we went down to the bar. But yeah, it's just fun times, and um, and I'm looking forward to uh, to greeting you when you get to Abbey Burger Bistro, Bistro, which is the home pub for the Baltimore uh, Supporters Club, the Charm City Gooners. That's where uh, Thursday night there'll be some Arsenal trivia for the people that are in town early enough. There'll be we're going to do a podcast from there. It will it, it probably won't be live because depending on the Wi-Fi at the at the bar, it could end up being a whole hour worth of what we saw earlier in this podcast. Um, but uh, but we'll definitely record it. We'll put it up because so far we have commitments from you, Kaya from mark brindle uh the team supporter liaison officer and all-around great guy from a certain james mcnicholas aka gunner blog from Stu mcfarlane uh team photographer and so it's going to be just kind of a a, a q a uh a fun time uh there may be alcoholic beverages served and um and yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun time so and and we should also be doing that in orlando it's tentatively set up for the following thursday um, and I meant to mention that to you, Kaya. So we'll we'll stay in touch because I know that if we do a live podcast or show from something, people aren't going to go there to see me or the Gooners podcast. They want to see guys like you. Uh, they want to see James. They want to get to get to meet uh, you know Ray Parler, who should be around. And it's just going to be an all around fun event. Um, as far as and I saw some questions in the chat about you know any special events going on. I know that there are some events in Baltimore that are invitation only. And I, I, I hate that in the sense that it's kind of exclusive, but it's also, there's no way around it because they're in places that can't hold more than a hundred people or so. And the club has control over who's invited and that sort of thing. So there will be some stuff going on. There's an open training on Friday uh, at UMBC in Baltimore where everybody can watch the team train um kaya you and i will probably be there on the pitch uh if it's anything like la journalists had the ability to walk around the pitch kind of uh observe from close up trust me i took full advantage of that in 2019 waving to all my friends in the stands and just <laughs> being a complete you know jackass but uh, and then just walking back and interviewing people but uh but it will uh, it'll be a good time we'll get lots of good content uh we will go live uh as often as we can maybe not kind of on a planned basis so if you subscribe to our podcast but don't have the bell the little notification bell check that lets you know when we've gone live make sure to do that and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast please do um before we get to some other silly videos kaya where uh can we what what are you going to be are you going to be writing an article a day like what's your workload for uh for the tour that's that's going to be coming up and what can we expect yeah. to see from double k busy 
busy. Uh, I've been told I've, I've got to write a lot more than one article a day. Uh, so yeah, keep an eye out for all that kind of stuff. Um, I'll be I'll be bringing like all the uh, all the sort of as much behind the scenes stuff as I can. Uh, all the open training sessions, all the content around the games, interviews with Arteta, interviews with the players. Um, there's a fan event that's going on in uh, Orlando, I believe, for the Arsenal Brazilian fan club. So that's going to be really cool. Oh, okay. Uh, um, there's some other pretty cool stuff which I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about yet. So I'll be I'll be sort of tentative on that front. But yeah, keep an eye out on it. Um, it'll be on the Football London website. Uh, it'll be sort of on my Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It should be good fun. I'm going to be trying to bring you guys as much content as possible. Uh, as much access as I can get, and just sort of as many as many videos, photos, articles, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it should be should be really good. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a great time. And and Mike, tell me why, other than 37 kids, you're not coming to this again? I mean, <laughs> you it's just all don't... the way, dude. It's you... on the the other side of like li- literally. Kaya is closer than I am, and he's in a different country. <laughs> I mean, if it. If it was AC Milan, you as a young Mexican AC Milan fan would I'd would, be there, hundred percent. It but it's only yeah. the Arsenal, so I can't do that again. Uh, it is no, it's it's way too much time out of my schedule, and I'm I'm absolutely able to provide right now for sure. But I do really wish it was at least Middle America, and a good my good friend Chris from Chicago would love something in Middle America since they get nothing. But yeah, unfortunately, they didn't make it out to the West Coast, so. It's just too too far of a of a flight for me to commit. Well, I will uh, I will represent on your behalf, and uh, and and we will see more of this, but we also sh- might see more of this. Kaya, this is this is where keep your fingers crossed that it's this nothing is, bad. But this is where we embarrass you. No, you may have heard of a very famous night on in May in London, uh, and and here's just a quick clip. This is your soul. Now, now, Kaya, what was the like the the Stevie Wonder thing that was going on there? Like, like, were you just so vibing with Elliot singing and and? Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, he was just going off on like he was doing like the like he's incredible. He I, I, I learned really things seriously. about Elliot that I did not know in terms of his singing ability. I, I've never heard him singing on the podcast. I only heard him speaking, but yeah, um, I was just I was in the zone just listening to that. It was unbelievable. I mean, how could you not be vibing was- after that? He, I mean, it was essentially his tryout video for, you know, Britain's Got Talent and or, you know, British Idol, American Idol, whatever you want to end <laughs> it. But, um, yeah, no, he, he wasn't messing around. No. Um, I quite intimidating, had... actually, stepping up to the mic after him sort of smashing it out of the park and then trying to follow that. It was quite scary. So It was yeah. fun. What, what song did you, I mean, you were kind of a, a bit of a wallflower. You were sitting on the, uh, sitting on the little chairs most of the time and you didn't see you yeah. really get up too much, but like, did you have a song that you requested and sang? I, I, I don't uh, remember because for some reason I, I, I don't remember every minute of that. I either. feel like I requested Backstreet Boys and then I sort of got <laughs> usurped in terms of the microphone. So uh, that would have been quality. I know. I know. That's, that's one for when we're in the States for sure. Yeah. I mean, we, we will have, we will have to find that somewhere. There are a couple of uh, free nights that are planned, but uh, don't intend uh, to get too much sleep. 
It will be fun. We will have a good time. And, uh, and you know, we might even learn. We might see. The other thing I can tell you about, about the tour is that Eddie Nketia will score 91 goals while on tour. He is. He took over for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain as Mr. July uh, for <laughs> Arsenal, a player who just looks unstoppable. I mean, Eddie Nketia has single-handedly defeated Bayern Munich. Been uh, the focus. have to do a it, bit of this. Exactly. I mean, he 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 knocked in a late winner against Munich last time in LA. Uh, you know, we always beat. I mean, Munich's chumps in July for us. I mean, the, the, in March it's a different story. In February, but. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be amazing. And yes, Arnie, if you had stuck around the Tollington after midnight, we, we did relocate to, uh, to another, uh, lovely establishment and, and sang for hours and hours until someone had their purse either accidentally taken or stolen. <laughs> did you stick yeah. around for that? Part? Oh yeah, that was, so that we ended was... up, so we got to okay. watch our entire evening back in like, in like <laughs> 10 minutes on the security video. Crazy, crazy night, fun time, um, and more to come on the U.S. tour. Any other user questions that we want to uh, get out of the way? I think uh, Daniel had a good one, actually, which was, can you see anyone in the current team as future Arsenal coaches? Um, I think I saw another comment earlier about Granit Xhaka. Uh, he seems sort of like the most uh, coachy type in terms of sort of being – I don't know if you like – He'd have the temperament for it, just in terms of he's he's quite can be quite emotional in his decision making, which I don't always think is the best thing when it comes to. I think one of the reasons Arsene was so good was because he sort of was able to largely sort of detach emotion from his decision making, was was very sort of clear in high pressure situations. Whereas I don't think you can say that for Xhaka in some cases, but I'd probably say him. Uh, I'm just sort of going going through the rolodex of players in the weren't some of our, Weren't some of our players yeah. getting their coaching licenses as well? Like, like, wasn't some of our active players weren't they? Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, Nenny is someone who's who's been sort of doing it. His dad was a coach as well, so there's there's someone to keep an eye on. Um, I El Nenny think... could. I mean, assuming all goes well, and I don't I don't even know what I'm saying talking about right now. But El Nenny could be a good coach uh, for a certain midfielder that we have when it comes to shooting. Uh, from distance. I mean, you know, Xhaka had that earlier in his career. He seems to have lost that touch. But there's another guy on our team that uh, that tends yes. to struggle a bit from, from his long distance shooting. Um, and I think Elneny could could instantly be a coach for him right away. So, um, yeah, it's not I always the – My money's on Udegaard, sorry. But he he seems very uh, yeah. approachable. He's, he's very vocal. So um, he's always kind of running the show, telling people where to be. So I could see him – uh, kind of dabbling in management. Apparently, very um, close to Mikel Arteta on the training ground during drills. He's very keen to sort of learn as much as he can. So interesting. And and are we uh, are we able to say that he? I mean, is about to be named the captain. I mean, I, I've, I've I'm getting that from social media, so I don't have any inside knowledge about that. But it seems yeah, like we're about I've, to I've seen to... a few exclusives um, confirming that uh, I, from I think... ran- random Twitter accounts. The, the... <laughs> Nah, I feel I, I, I take back my dismissive tone because like gerbil, you can you can get sort of, uh, sort of unexpected news from unexpected Twitter accounts. So that's that's true, man. We were like we were lucky enough to have that guy on the podcast once. Exactly, beautiful. exactly. So nothing's <laughs> off the table. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't. I, so it's a weird one where Hector Bellerin is still at the club, and he's technically next in line to be the captain. So until he leaves, I'd be surprised if the club confirmed a successor to. Abamyang uh before that, if that makes sense, just out of respect to to Bellerin. Um 
Obviously, I think we'll, we'll find out over pre-season. Erdogan was one of the players to wear the armband last season. Ahead of him in the pecking order was Kieran Tierney, who is going to be at the club next season. So I don't know um, if he's in line. I know Rob Holdings also in the leadership group, but obviously won't be given the armband because he's not a regular starter. So I, I don't know if Arteta is going to necessarily commit to having one guy holding the armband, but um, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll try and ask him about it when, when we're over there. I'll try and try. And... Oh, it'll be a race between the two of us during the press conference. Like, who, who's your uh, who's your captain? Last time he did have Granite Jaka, who was not yet the captain. Well, it wasn't Arteta. It was uh, it was uh, uh, the guy before him, Emery. Uh, and we all saw how that went. So, um. Last question, and then we'll we'll send you off, uh, and we will we'll we'll play the video again because just because enough people have asked for it, I can't start it where I left it off. So you're gonna have to watch the first two minutes again. But um, from Daniel, big fan of Bird Leno, he's the recipient of both a piece of Ruth Beck art from Gunners versus Cancer and a black and white Bird Leno uh, that I printed out on my on my printer that ran out of color ink, um, <laughs> which is which is very valuable, but. Uh, do you wish Leno would just fly to West London already? And he's saying fly because he's bird Leno. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, Leno's a kind of a, a sad one to see him go in the sense I think he's a, probably the best number two goalkeeper in the league. But obviously, because he's so good, you can't really keep him as a number two because other teams are going to want him as a number one. I think Fulham's a fantastic move for him in terms of somewhere where he's not necessarily the best with his feet, but I don't think Fulham are going to be doing that much playing out from the back in terms of I'd expect them to be facing a lot of shots. And we all remember from Unai Emery's second season in charge that Bern Leno is very good at that. That's something he's good at dealing with. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does and hopefully he can get himself in the Germany squad for the World Cup. And then but, hopefully... But Fulham seems to be... Yeah. Fulham, if, you, if you believe what you're reading online, Fulham are balking at an £11 million transfer fee. I mean, how, yeah. I know we're in the process of trying to rehab our image as, as, a, you know, as, as a club that actually can sell smartly. Um, not a selling club, but a, a club that knows how to sell at the right times. But clubs are not letting us do that. They're just, I mean, between Batiste and Fiorentina and and Fulham. Oh, yeah. I mean, even Ballard was it that he he went for yeah. like a, like a no? I mean, he's an international, right? And I, I think there and I had read that he there was an agreement for like Bernie. And again, speculation on the fees, but it was like a it was like 10, 15 mil. And then he goes to like the second division for like two mil. I'd, I'd, if I if I I could be wrong yeah, with those they, figures, they, but they did include a big sell on fee in the in the Ballard deal. So hopefully that's ah, something. Ah, okay, okay, that's done. Yeah, they can try and um, recoup the money that way. But uh, yeah, the, the Leno one's tricky in the sense that um, he's obviously in the last year of his contract. Arsenal have already signed his replacement. He's on big wages. He wants to leave. Arsenal want to sell him. So if you're Fulham and Arsenal's asking price is 11 million, why wouldn't you try and lowball them in a negotiation? They may end up playing, paying the 11 million. I mean, there's a long time to go until the season starts. It's a long time until the transfer window ends. But I, I'd have been surprised if Fulham had sort of bitten Arsenal's uh, handoff um, <laughs> immediately for the 11 million pounds. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. I, I think signing an international goalkeeper for 11 million pounds is fantastic business but you know Fulham have got to try their arm and uh you know we'll I just think I, I think we have to sell Leno for more than we bought Turner for I think that much is clear otherwise you know it just gives fuel to the haters um <laughs> you know what, what did you replace <laughs> yank uh so anyway um yeah this I just saw Mark bring up uh the fact that uh I, I will be I will be putting my phone on uh, 
In fact, when I put my phone on the thing to record the thing to record the uh, the, the audio, I'm just going to turn my phone off. I just just to avoid it, you know. Maybe I won't get the audio, but but I just I, I don't want this to happen again. It's not my first time. I was a captain here. I was before in Germany and the national team as well. <laughs> the, the audio wasn't very good. You couldn't hear the phone going off, but you know, Una was like, like. <laughs> Mikel won't be as nice as Unai was about that. I, I'm sure. When I was like, it was like balding Jewish unprofessional journalist. Please come get your phone. Journalist um, in the uh, Arsenal kit. Can you please come and pick up? <laughs> journalist in the Arsenal kit. <laughs> that I that much I knew going in that I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna be a full kit wanker going into the press conference. Um, Did you turn up in your study boots as well with shin pads and everything? Absolutely. No, I went. I went full kit. Um, I, um, I I had the um, I had the little bra that that, that shows how much. <laughs> and after the podcast, I ripped off my shirt and I I exchanged my shirt with um with with uh, James Bench, and uh, and he wouldn't give me his shirt. I don't know why, but it was uh, no, it was it was definitely a learning experience. But uh, I'll be better prepared this time. I will not get bad, and. Um, so we will finish off. Kaya, I will see you in 48 hours. Rest wow. up. Yeah, Dude. Yeah, I've got to get some sleep. Uh, Rest up, get, get some sleep, because once you get there, you know, there's no time for that kind of shit. Um, looking forward. Where can we find you on uh, on Twitter and uh, any other receptacles? Yeah, uh, Twitter media? is at KayaKaiNet97. I'm also on Facebook. Uh I think Kaya kind of journalist is my name on that. And uh, I'll be putting a lot of stuff up on Instagram. If you want to give me a follow on Instagram, where I'm just Kaya Kainak. So uh, I'll try and put as many stories and videos and all that kind of stuff up. So hopefully you guys can give me a follow there. That would be fantastic. And uh, Mikey, are you potting tonight? Negative. Um, I had this, uh, this handsome balding man in, in, in mind, but unfortunately his schedule is, uh, is quite busy. Yeah, no, no um, nap. No one wants to hear from that guy anyway. Yeah, nap is in uh, is in a bad place right now. Everybody got a, a very busy social life, so we have not done a pod for like nearly a month at this point in time. So it's, it's uh, the it's the year. Is it season three for you guys? It is season three for us, and I, I will I will say, and I, and I and this is what I admire for for some podcasters that do this every single day, like you know Tom at the Gunner Talk and and Highbury Scott. Producing content every single week is just the grind is just absolutely insane. Like Kaya, you're, you're saying that you have to write more, multiple articles and just I don't know how y'all do it. I mean, I understand that it's it's you know in, in your circumstance it's your job, but it seems pretty wild and it's a lot of pressure to say the very least. Yeah, you left you left the word out. Producing content every day is not hard. Producing good content every day is hard. <laughs> it takes preparation. Good, good point. And, good point yeah. Yes, and uh, and that's what those those you know that's what you guys, Kaya and, and your colleagues, uh, and and the podcasters that Mike just mentioned do. And and it's uh, you know if it's a hobby, it's not easy to put out good stuff every single day and still tick all the other boxes in your life. So, uh, but anyway, that's why we we podcast every other month. 
so we keep everybody guessing. So it, it, a lot of preparation there. Yeah. Like so, I always said, it, it 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 works for the uh, for the Tuesday club. Uh, so hey, you know, it works. It, you guys are the, just the Tuesday club of Arsenal podcasting. That's all it is. Yes. Well, thanks for joining us. Please uh, subscribe, thumbs up, but definitely subscribe and notifications for these next two weeks because there's going to be some unique content coming out both on Kaya's channel and our channel and, uh, and for everyone else that's going, we will finish off with, uh, with the video that you've all been clamoring for. Um, it's about five minutes long. So, uh, Kaya, uh, you can head off into the sunset. You don't have to wait around until it's done and, uh, we'll see you on the flip side. So, uh, take care. Thanks for joining us and come on you gooners. And now from New York city, night six of who wants to be a millionaire. Right now, we've got 10 new contestants ready to go. Mike Feinberg, Sterling, Virginia. Here's the question. Put the following television dogs in the order of their debut, beginning with the most recent. Okay, everybody, time's up. Let's see the answer in the correct order, starting with the most recent. Taco Bell Chihuahua. Eddie from Frasier. Scrappy-Doo. And Lassie, that's the correct order. Let's see who got it right. And in the fastest time, and the winner is Mike Feinberg. Feinberg, 26 years old, lives in Sterling, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Huh? Let's play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Here we go. Uh, B, a box of chocolates. A box of chocolates. What a great line. You're absolutely right. Final answer. Yes, oh, my God. It is now. Yes, it is now. <laughs> oh. You're going to get me in trouble. No, it was your answer, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, it was. of course. A hundred bucks, I'll give it to you myself. You got it. I will have to go with C, a wall. Final answer. Yes, it is. Right again, it's a wall for $200. I will take C, play. Final answer? Yes, it is. Of course they will. They're going to play. C is the right answer for $300. B, jockey. B, Jockey, final answer? Yes, sir. You're right, it's Jockey. I will go with A, Edsel. Final answer? Yes, sir. You're right, it's Edsel, of course, $1,000. So I will go with A, Reem. That's your final answer? It is. Reem is his final answer? It's a good one. You've won two thousand dollars. Yes, the final answer. Canadian national flag has the maple leaf on it. You're right for four thousand dollars. You've just won four thousand dollars. You're going for eight thousand. Go with C and I. And that would be your final answer. Yes. They're right. You're right. You've won. Way to go, Mike. Nice to have a stepfather who went to medical school. Yes, it is. For a lot of reasons. Yes. <laughs> um, I yeah. will select A, DNA. DNA. Final answer? Yes, it is. 
He was right. You're right. You won $16,000. I'm going to go for it and take the Citadel. Hey. Final answer? That's my final answer. He says the Citadel. You just won $32,000. Got nothing to lose. I'm gonna have to take a guess. The more I think about this, I don't think it's gonna help, so. I'm gonna have to go with B, Linda Ronstadt. B, Linda Ronstadt. Final answer? I guess so, B. He says B, Linda Ronstadt. He's right for $64,000. Oh. oh, man. I'm not going to take a guess on this. With no lifelines, I'm going to leave with $32,000. Going to leave with thirty? No, you're going to leave 64. with $64,000. But if you, you want to leave with thirty two, I'll be happy to pick up the other thirty. Sixty-four $64,000. Well, all right, Mike, I understand. Sure. Uh, you want to know what the answer is? Oh, you want to take, take another one of your famous guesses? Go ahead. Since this doesn't count for anything, I would guess uh, A, Snake. You say A, Snake. Final, final guess? I don't want to know the answer. <laughs> That's my final guess. You would have been right for $125,000, Mike. I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that, should I? Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm fine. Here you are, pal. $64,000. How about a nice hand? Mike, congratulations. Thank you. You were terrific. Right on,